This is episode two of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today we're going to be looking at articles that deal with allergies and what you need to know. This is going to be a part one from Doom and Bloom. Nine, nine ammo storage tips every gun owner should know. The emergency kit. And here's a rundown of all the looting and robbery incidents that occurred during the Oroville evacuation. I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Let's go ahead and get started. So like I said, this first article it comes to us from doomandbloom.net, uh, Dr. Uh, Joe Alton, Dr. Bones, and Nurse Amy Alton. Um, and uh, it's definitely significant for me right now because I have been dealing with allergies and I'm still a little stuffed up and uh, a little stuffy. So uh, definitely some good information here. So let's go ahead and, and start reading this one here. Allergies are reactions caused by hypersensitivity of the immune system to a substance ingested or in the environment, allergen. These substances may cause little or no effect in most people, but a percentage of the population may experience significant symptoms that can affect quality of life or even threaten life itself. A short history of allergies. If, you're told, if you told a doctor a little more than 100 years ago that you had an allergy, he or she wouldn't recognize the word. Allergy was coined in 1906 by an Austrian pediatrician and immunologist named Clemens von Piquet. <laughs> the word is derived from the Greek allos, meaning others, and urgen, meaning reaction. Von Piquet and his associates noted that certain people who received a variety of smallpox vaccines had more severe reactions than most. Another scientist, Charles Manto, used this knowledge to develop a test for tuberculosis where an allergic skin reaction to a substance isolated from the microbe revealed previous exposure. A form of this test is still used today. The worst allergic reaction known as anaphylactic shock was discovered by a French, French physiologist, Charles Rickett, who, with his partner, Dr. Paul Portier, injected the venom of a sea and anemone into a number of dogs, hoping to find some substance that would protect humans caught prophylaxis from jellyfish stings, they instead found that a second injection killed many of the dogs. Since this was the opposite of protection, they termed it anaphylaxic. How allergens cause reactions. Common allergens to which people are exposed include pollens, metals, insect stings, medications, and certain foods. There are also internal factors such as age, sex, race, and family history. How do these all combine to cause the physical symptoms of an allergy? Put simply, an immune reaction against an allergen occurs when it's encountered for the first time. Let's say it's a bee sting. Cells in the body called T-cells identify the bee venom and interact with other cells called B-cells. The B-cells, in turn, produce certain antibodies called IgE or IgE, Iggy attaches to the surface of cells called basophils and mast cells. 
These cells are now synthesized to the venom. No physical effects are usually noticed at the time by the victim beyond the sting itself. When a second exposure to the allergen occurs, however, it's a different story. The synthesized mast cells and basophils are activated and produce a large amount of histamine and other inflammatory chemicals. The flood of these into the system can cause possible severe physical reactions. Symptoms of Allergies Allergies may appear in various forms from mild to life-threatening. These conditions include hay fever, food allergies, local skin reactions called atopic dermatitis, drug toxin reactions, and allergic, as allergic asthma. Common symptoms include red eyes, itching, nasal congestion, difficulty breathing, and swelling. In the worst situations, a body-wide reaction called anaphylaxis causes rashes, major swelling, and difficulty breathing to the point of suffocation. Hay fever. Hay fever is usually seasonal reaction to high pollen counts in the air from certain plants. People with hay fever won't likely have a fever, but they will have sneezing from a runny, clogged nose, red, itchy, watery eyes, and post-nasal drip, a condition where a cough is caused when mucus runs down the throat from the back of the nose. Different grasses, trees, and flowering plants will release pollens at different times of the year, and it is often difficult to identify what allergen is causing the symptom. Skin patch, scratch, or blood test may determine if particular substance is causing the sensitivity. And I am, side note, I am right there with the hay fever. I'm telling you, in uh, Houston, it sucks right now. All right, anyway, that's us. my own side note. Continuing on. Atopic dermatitis. Most people who have atopic dermatitis have had allergies before or a family member with similar problems such as hay fever or asthma. Common allergens include animal, dander, dust mites, exposure to certain foods, stress, and dry, cold weather. The conditions usually start with itchy, dry skin. Scratching causes inflammation, swelling, and redness, and may irritate an infection in the area. Small, oozy blisters sometimes occur that crust over with time. Although mild versions cover small areas and are improved with lotions, severe versions, requ versions require more intense therapy. Rashes may recur over the same area time and again, leading to toughened, thick skin that appears darker than other areas. These areas are usually on the scalp and cheeks of infants, but may be seen on the baby's knee or elbows. Other areas may be affected with age, such as the ankles, wrists, legs, the butt, buttocks, and the nape of the neck. Food allergies. Four or five percent of the population is allergic to some kind of food. In children, eggs, milk, and peanuts are often responsible. In adults, shellfish, nuts from trees, for example, walnuts, milk, and eggs are common triggers to a reaction. It should be noted that an allergy to milk is different than intolerance caused by a deficiency of the enzyme needed to digest it, otherwise known as lactointolerance. Drug allergies. A drug allergy is caused after repeated exposure to a medicine. Some of the most common include penicillins, sulfa drugs, non-synthetic insulin, seizure meds, and those containing iodine. Drug allergies are often confused with what are called adverse reactions. An adverse reaction is, known, is a known ill effect that can occur with the use of medication. For example, if a drug is known to cause nausea in some patients, that is considered an adverse reaction as opposed to an allergy. Despite this, many will report an allergy to a particular drug to their healthcare provider. Some of the reasons that people will write allergic on their medical interview sheet include 
the drug causes symptoms that make them feel unwell. A family member has a history of an allergy to the drug and they assume that the same goes for them. An incident in their childhood resembled an allergic reaction, so better safe than sorry. Negative comments online or elsewhere causes reluctance to take the medicine. Philosophical uh, philosophically opposed to a particular type of drug like antibiotics or psychotropics and an actual allergy. Note that a true allergy is placed last on the list. The World Allergy Association reports that less than 10% of reactions to medications are actually allergies caused by an immune response. Most symptoms that people get after taking medicine are instead adverse or side effects. It may not always be easy to tell the difference, but a true drug allergy will show immune-mediated symptoms such as hives, itchy skin, or eyes, rashes, lip and tongue swelling, and wheezing. Blood pressure may drop precipitously in some cases. Toxin allergies. It's common to have local redness, discomfort, itching, and swelling when a toxin, such as a bee venom, is introduced into the body. Your immune system, however, may respond strongly in the form of an allergy. Common insects involved are bees, wasps, hornets, and fire ants. When the immune system gets involved, the reactions may be more severe, with hives, redness, and swelling affecting large areas of skin. Swelling may extend to the tongue, throat, lips, and elsewhere. Stomach upset, nausea, and vomiting, and diarrhea are common. The effects may take days to completely resolve. Drug treatment of allergy symptoms. Allergies, when mild, are treated with medications that help relieve the specific symptoms. And histamines and oral intranasal or uh, ophthalmic eye or an eye drop form are useful to deal with the sneezing, runny nose, and itchy eyes associated with hay fever. Nasal decongestions like oral pseudofedrin or pseudofed and the nasal spray oxymetazoline, afrin, or dristan are useful drugs to have in the medicine cabinet. It should be noted, however, that the nasal sprays are addictive when used for more than three days. That is, if you stop them, if you stop using them, your nose will become stuffy again. Others like diphenhydramine or Benadryl may help, but are prone to causing drowsiness in higher doses. Longer-term therapy with intranasal steroids like Atrovent or Nasalcrom is another option. These drugs are best for long-term therapy, however, as the effects are not felt immediately. In the worst case, epinephrine, also known as adrenaline, is necessary as an injectable to improve symptoms that affect the entire body. A future article will discuss this type of event in detail. Natural Treatments of Allergy Symptoms Many experience relief from allergies when they use an item known as a neti pot to relieve congestion and pressure. The neti pot essentially looks like a version of Aladdin's lamp and allows the delivery of sterile solutions into the nasal cavity. Neti pots work by thinning out mucus. The hairs in the nose called cilia are aided in the attempt, attempts to eliminate mucus and allergens by the flushing action of the sterile saline solution delivered by the neti pot. Some may have doubts about the effectiveness of the neti pot, but research backs up the benefits of nasal irrigation to relieve some allergy symptoms. Nasal irrigation via neti pot may help decrease the need for drugs. One concern related to neti pots, however, is the importance of ensuring that you are using sterile solution when you irrigate. Non-sterile solution, even tap water, may transmit infections directly into the body. 
two deaths in Louisiana were attributed to neti pot use of contaminated water. Neti pots also must be washed after every use, as you would wash your dishes after every meal. A natural remedy getting some serious attention lately is butterbur. In a recent British medical journal study, butterbur extract, or ZE339, four times daily equaled the effect of a popular antihistamine without causing drowsiness. Gold, golden seal, nettles, resveratrol, uh, quercetin and vitamin C as well as saline spray may be helpful. Ragweed suffer sufferers however shall realize that some plants commonly used in herbal remedies like chamomile and echinacea might cross-react in hay fever suffer sufferers to make symptoms worse. You might be surprised to know that acupun acupuncture has some evidence for effectiveness against certain allergies. Acupuncture based on the idea that stimulating certain points in the body can cause effects inside. A study of 26 hay fever patients found in the American Journal of Chinese Medicine and described in WebMD appeared to improve symptoms in all without adverse effect. Another experiment eliminated allergic symptoms in half the patient study. Allergies can be a nuisance or they can be life-threatening. In situations where we might spend a large part of our day outdoors, as in survival, it's important to know the signs, symptoms, and treatments when our immune systems go into overload. So I uh, will be looking forward to part two of this allergy article. Uh, again, that's found on Doom and Bloom. And uh, you may, one of the things that I know that I'm going to have trouble with when I'm reading uh, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's uh, articles or all the medical terms, man. That's crazy. But anyway, so definitely go check that out. Um, and I know a lot of people are suffering from allergies. At least I know here in the in the Houston area, I know a lot of people at work and my family, and and uh, I know all over the place. So uh, that's definitely part of it. So let's go ahead and move on to the next one. We're gonna read. Uh, this is this comes from UrbanSurvivalSite.com. We're reading nine ammo storage tips every gun owner should know. So let's go ahead and start reading. If you're like most preppers, you're already st a stockpiling pro. You've got food supplies, a bug out bag, the perfect weapon, weapons, and a great plan. Chances are high that you also begun stockpiling ammunition, like a reality TV hoarder. Having a million rounds of ammo is great, but without proper storage, those potential projectiles will be nothing more than a heap of brass or worse, an accident waiting to happen. Over time, heat, moisture, and corrosion can wreak havoc on an ammunition supply. Cartridges can weaken and break, primers can lose their zing, and bullets can even corrode and lose mass, making them a safety hazard to fire. Avoid all these potential risks by using these nine tips for storing your ammunition. Number one, buy proper ammunition. Sometimes the best offense is a good defense. This is certainly the case with proper ammunition storage. Starting out with the right ammo is essential to keeping up your long-term arsenal. There are quality versions and terrible versions of every type of ammunition possible. Avoid buying extremely cheap ammo. You never know the history of the ammo you buy, and there's a small chance that extremely cheap ammo is a production reject. In addition, do not buy ammunition that is already old. And any ammo over 10 years... 10 years old should be avoided since you can guarantee it was stored properly since you since you can't guarantee it was stored properly the whole time make sure any ammunition you purchase is completely intact without any broken seals or ripped boxes 
As always, don't store any ammo that hasn't been personally inspected by you. So just a little side note, in, in all the reading that I've done with Prepper website, um, I would say that buying proper ammo is important, and then buying pre proper ammo for your specific firearm. Uh, there are just some, there's some ammo, some brands that work better than others. And before you go out and buy a whole, uh, a whole load of ammo, you, you want to get a little sample worth and go run it and see if it works or see if you're having problems with it. Um, it's just, you know, it, I've seen that happen before. And I know that there's going to be some people that are going to uh, argue on the fact of, of uh, ammo, not buying ammo that's 10 years old. I know that people, I've read articles and, and heard from people that have bought ammo that, you know, even going back to Vietnam, era that's still still reliable and still good and again it goes down uh it's going to depend on how it was stored so anyway let's go ahead and keep going number two is label and rotate storing and using your ammo should be like storing and using any stockpiled perishable items label your case of ammunition with the date you bought them and use the oldest dated rounds first this will ensure that you never leave an old box of ammo in the back for a long for a long time cold temperatures the best way to store ammunition is in plastic bags inside ammunition boxes that have a rubber seal to keep moisture out and placed in a cool, dark area. Rounds that have been exposed to heat may be defective, and this is what you're looking to avoid mo most. While you probably don't have to worry about wrecking your ammunition on one hot afternoon, that won't start to happen until at least 150 degrees, but over time, the heat degrades the performance of your rounds. Be sure to find a cool, dark place that isn't also damp, and this as this defeats the purpose. Humidors are, are for cigars. Dry boxes are for ammo. The clay desiccant. The number, of, the number one killer of ammunition is humidity. Storing your rounds in a damp environment is a surefire way to cause corrosion and powder damage. Fortunately, there are many options for avoiding this fate involving the use of desiccants. A desiccant is anything that absorbs water. Some materials do this chemically, while others do this physically, like the clay desiccant. Sodium bentonite and calcium bentonite are great, great clay desiccants that absorb moisture wonderfully. You can purchase these in the form of desi packs, which are safe enough even to use with food. While not the most inexpensive option, clay desiccants are, are a great way to keep your ammo good to go. Number five, silica gel packets. Similar to clay desiccants and usually even more effective, silica gel packets also absorb moisture and can be used by dropping packets into your ammo canisters. Silica gel packets can be easily purchased online and are an inexpensive yet reliable way to keep your ammo safe. Another part, perk of using silica gel packets is that you can tell when they need to be switched out. You can get you can get packets that change color when they've absorbed as much moisture as possible, letting you know when, it, when to replace each packet. Number six, the affordable option. If you're in a pinch or don't have much time to prepare in a doomsday scenario, you can create a great homemade desiccant out of salt and rice. Uncooked rice will keep your ammo dry in the same way that it absorbs moisture in a jar of sugar. Adding the salt will also keep the rice from spoiling as quickly. Simply mix some uncooked rice with some salt and tie it up in tissue or a fine mesh cloth. Number seven, use vacuum sealed bags. An additional tip for making the most of your moisture defense is to use vacuum sealed bags. 
while squeezing the air out of plastic bags will work decently. Storing ammo in vacuum-sealed bags is the best way to ensure no air and therefore no moisture makes it into the presence of your ammunition. This is an especially useful tip if you want to store thousands of rounds in one bag. Simply vacuuming out any air is much easier than trying to squeeze air out of a trash bag size storage option. Number eight, check for signs of corrosion frequently. Be vigilant about your ammunition storage. After packaging up your ammo nicely in vacuum sealed bags with moisture wicking materials and placing it in cool dry place, don't simply forget about it and hope it will last 40 years. Schedule ammunition checks to make sure your rounds aren't corroding or becoming exposed to heat. Using clear plastic in your vacuum sealed ceiling is ideal for this, as you don't have to undo the hard work you did sealing your rounds off from the outside world. And number nine, reload your ammunition. In reality, the best way to store your ammunition is to avoid it all is to avoid it altogether. Using ammo is better than storing ammo. And if you have the know-how and the ability, reloading your ammo is a great way to make sure you already have, you always have fresh munitions. If you embark on this endeavor, spare no expense. Learn metallurgy. In, learn the metallurgy involved. What makes bullets weak and strong? What makes them fly faster and slower? And the best method, and the best methods to use for casting them. Purchase as precise a collection of instruments as possible because even the smallest variation can impact your shooting experience. So I think for most people out there, you're going to be storing uh, ammo and not uh, not a lot just because it's so expensive. And sometimes depending on, on what the politics are out there, it's, it's kind of hard to find. Uh, there's a lot of information on there. I know we'll have more articles on ammo uh, in the future. So definitely, um, you know, all these articles that um, that I'm reading and giving you an audible version of, and we have links to them on the website, they all have links that you want to go to and you want to follow and give you more information. So the next one comes from David's Homestead, and this is TNGun.net. This is called the Emergency Kit. And um, so just uh, a good reminder, it's a, it's a short article, but a good reminder of things that we need to uh, be carrying with us, uh, having in our vehicles, um, and maybe even switching out as we move from the winter time to uh, the springtime. Maybe some things that you need to be thinking about. So uh, let's get started with this one. Like having a disaster plan, having an emergency kit is as crucial as it is a function of common sense. How long does it take to throw together a couple of dozen items versus grabbing a bag from a planned spot? Basic staple number one: food. At least a three-day supply of water, a gallon per person per day, and of non-perishable food that does not require cooking. Basic staple number two, shelter. You may either lose your home or access to it for some time. Your home won't fit in your emergency kit, of course, but you can include a list of places you can go instead. Homes of family, friends, or pre-identified community shelters using the former uh, former eases the problem of the latter. Basic staple number three, clothing and hygiene. At least one change of clothes per person as well as shoes, bedding, and toiletry supplies. As for what you're wearing, remember that many disasters happen at night. You may be wearing your pajamas. Address any special needs in your emergency kit. Examples, spare eyeglasses, medicine or to prevent loss through spoilage, a list of prescriptions you can fill on the run, and baby and pet supplies. 
remember that many shelters will not accept pets. Power and information are often in short supply in disasters, so take them with you. Batteries, flashlight, battery-operated radio. Some small tools, a rope, a wrench, pliers, a hammer, and nails, many prove useful. Even in disasters, it's hard to live without cash. In fact, without access to your own kitchen, it might be better to say, especially in disaster. Keep some cash or a credit card in your kit. Once sheltered, you may be surprised at how quickly you become bored. Some reading material in your emergency kit is more important than it seems. So keep a small version in your vehicle. Why smaller? Not only is a car not only is a car smaller than a house, if you are in your vehicle, you are usually mobile. If so, logic dictates you will go somewhere safe, eliminating the need to live out of your kit. So again, just a, a good reminder to, um, to maybe look at your emergency kits, update it. If you don't have one, it doesn't take a long time to put one together and get some things together. You know, go to, an, uh, to a, a resale shop. Find a couple of old backpacks. You can get them for very, very cheap, and you can put some items together and, and uh, you know, be ready to go there. And that's especially, too, if you don't have a, a bug-out bag. And, uh, again, we'll have uh, articles uh, definitely on that. We always have those on PrepperWebsite.com. So for the, this last article, we're uh, going to look at SHTF plan. Um, this article is by Daniel Ling. And the title of it is, Here's a Rundown of All the Looting and Robbery Incidents that Occur During the Oroville Evacuation. So if you don't know, um, the Oroville uh, Dam uh, looks like it's about to go. As I'm reading this right now, it's uh, February 20th. It hasn't, uh, it hasn't broken. Um, they are expecting it to. There's been a lot of rain. Uh, but you know they, they were calling for evacuations. And so this article will take care of some of those things that have happened. Just to give you a little bit of information if you haven't read this one. There's a lot to worry about when a disaster strikes your community. You have to make sure that your friends and neighbors are going to be okay. You have to make sure that you have plenty of food, water, and medical supplies. You may even have to prepare to evacuate your home and leave most of your valuables behind. And while you're focused on making sure that you and your loved ones are prepared to ride out the disaster, you can rest assured that there will always be some predatory person in your community who is preparing to take advantage of your situation. That's the ugly truth about disasters natural and man-made, that everyone needs to understand. When everyone else is panicking or gathering supplies or hunkering down or running away, there's always someone watching the chaos and thinking, there's an opportunity for me here. And that's a pretty good lesson to be learned from the Oroville evacuation that occurred last week. While every sane person was fleeing the city, a few were busy screwing over their neighbors. Most notably, a 33-year-old man was severely injured after his truck was hijacked at gunpoint. This is, quote, authorities are looking for two people accused of carjacking and running over a man preparing to flee from Oroville when authorities ordered nearly 200,000 people to evacuate. Uh, Butte County Sheriff Corey Honia says the victim was loading the vehicle with the engine running when a man and woman armed with a shotgun jumped in, running him over as he attempted to stop them. Honia says the victim was flown to a hospital with serious injuries. Authorities say they are seeking 27-year-old Cody Bowles and 31-year-old Lucia Ripley, end quote. As bad as that is, at least it makes sense. It's possible that these criminals heard the evacuation order and stole a car to escape. 
What's more surprising are the incidents that involved criminals who decided to completely ignore the evacuation order and stayed behind to steal from their neighbors and local businesses. According to the Oroville Mercury Register, there were multiple looting incidents which have led to the arrest of five different people. Several hours after the evacuation order was given, two people were arrested for breaking into a Dollar General store. Another two individuals were arrested for looting a local market, one of whom was a 16-year-old carrying a shotgun. A fifth individual was arrested after he tried to steal a gun safe from a residence and drive off with it in a four-wheeler. During the evacuation, there was a total of 240 911 calls, many of which were for crimes in progress. Perhaps the most tragic incident happened in nearby Yuba City. A highly decorated Vietnam veteran left the city with his wife when the evacuation order was issued. When they returned, his house was ransacked. Whoever was responsible, responsible made off with his Purple Heart and 23 medals, items that would be pretty much worthless for the thief. During any disaster, there are almost always an abundance of stories involving compassion and sacrifice between strangers caught uh, between strangers caught a desperate situation. But never forget, there are always a few animals out there who will take the clothes off your back on a whim, even when they should be busy running for their lives. So I think the important thing to remember here is that, I mean, there was people carrying shotguns going and looting. And uh, almost if, you, if you're if you reading this and you didn't realize it was because of an evacuation order, you can almost think it was you know, something out of one of the, the fictional books that we read, dystopian novels that we read, you know, people going from house to house with shotguns and, and uh, you know, trying to find supplies. So again, something to always remember. Remember, if you're having to evacuate, something to keep in mind, and uh, you need to always have situational awareness even in the midst of uh, an evacuation. Well, again, guys, that's it for this episode. Uh, I have all the links on prepper web, the prepper website podcast.com, and you can link to these articles, and you can go to the websites and support these um, these uh, these bloggers, and then also you know check out their links because they're always linking to other materials and other things that will make your you know make the article worth it, and um, and check those out. So before I go, can I ask you for a huge favor? Uh, you can be very instrumental in getting the word out about this podcast by reviewing it on iTunes or, or Google Play or Stitcher or any of the other podcast networks. To make it easy for you, I have direct links on the Prepper website, podcast.com homepage that you can link to iTunes. Also, feel free to share out our link on social media and by word of mouth. And don't forget to drop by the Prepper website, podcast.com to drop me a line or two. You can also hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So we'll be, up, be back tomorrow with more great articles to share. And don't forget, there are a ton of great articles on PrepperWebsite.com. Until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.